I prayed, like with the birth, I prayed for this amazing birth. It didn't happen. It was actually really traumatic. And I really struggled to get my head around that mm. and felt like I'd failed. I felt like my faith had failed. I felt like I didn't have enough faith because the book that I read kind of implied that it was my faith that didn't make it happen. I was just kind of like, oh, it's my fault. I don't have enough faith. And yeah, just that, that whole struggle of like, what do you do when there's suffering? Um, what do you do when things don't go, when things are sunshine and rainbows, when things don't mm. go plan? Welcome to What's the Story? My name is Matt Edmondson and this is a podcast full of stories about faith and courage from everyday people. And today I'm chatting with the legendary Beth Coppenhall about learning how not to overthink things. Oh yes, we are getting into that. But before I get into all things Beth, uh, one thing that I do love to do is give a shout out to past guests and episodes. And given uh, the topics that we are gonna be talking about today about motherhood, glandular fever, all kinds of things, uh, I thought it would be great to mention uh, the live stream we did called Faith and Motherhood. Does it make a difference? That was done on a Mother's Day with Sally Birch. You can check that one out. And also check out the talk by John Harding, Journey Through the Wall. You can find these and our entire archive of episodes and live streams uh, on our website for free at www.crowd.church. And whilst you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. And each week we will email you the links along with the notes from the conversations uh, they go direct to your inbox totally free totally amazing now this episode is brought to you by crowd online church beth i'm sure you know that as well as i do not everybody uh, can go to church not everybody uh, wants to go to church not everybody can make it to a church building and this is where online church works really really well it is a safe space to explore the Christian faith and the thing that I love about crowd online church is that you get to join in and shape the conversation oh yes yeah. so if you have never been to church before or if you're looking for a new church to join do check out crowd church the website is www.crowd.church uh, and if you've got any questions email me directly at matt at crowd.church i will try my very best to answer them oh yes now beth what can i say about beth uh, i've known beth for a little while uh, she is yorkshire born a full-time mama of two uh, she loves writing she's actually a brilliant writer uh, she loves marketing brilliant at marketing uh, and crafting with the kids I don't know whether she's brilliant at that, but let's just go with yes. Uh, and she blogs regularly at bethcoppenhall.com if you want to read some of Beth's blog posts, which I suggest you do. Beth, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to What's the Story. Great to have you here. How are you doing? I'm good. Hello. Yeah, good. Now, this is uh, a little uh, reminiscent, I feel, you and I doing video conversations together. <laughs> It's very strange. It's like going back in time, except I've now got two kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So, uh, I'm just talking about skincare. Unless <laughs> we could totally talk about skin. I should probably explain, dear uh, listener and viewer, uh, if you don't know the story of Beth and I, why would you? Uh, Beth and I used to work together before uh, the two kids came along, and Beth was our. Uh, what was your title, Chief Marketing? I don't even. I don't actually remember. It was, was it something. Queen of Content that? or something. Yeah. 
Well, Queen. I, I can't remember. Queen. It was Queen. It had Queen in the title. It definitely, <laughs> definitely had the Queen in the title. And Beth used to handle all our marketing and all our content. And so, uh, yeah, quite quite often we would find ourselves just sat together in front of a video camera talking about everything from skincare to e-commerce to whatever crazy idea I had that day. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just it's just it's quite nice, Beth. You and I doing video again. It's quite yeah. it's quite reminiscent. It's quite lovely. Mm, it is. It is. <laughs> well, nice. Great to be here. So, other than uh, working with me. Uh, you, which is obviously one of the key highlights uh, of yeah. life. Uh, you've got two beautiful kids uh, and a, a beautiful husband, and you live here in sunny Liverpool, but your accent is Yorkshire-born, right? Yes. That's why I put that there, because I thought if anyone's listening and is like, what are you saying? I'm from Yorkshire, <laughs> and I haven't ever left my accent. I'm quite proud of it, actually, but it does get a lot of comments. Good comments or bad comments? Oh, a mixture, to be honest. Mm. I'm a bit like, excuse me, this is my accent. I can't do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> this but is who I am. One of my friends, who's like 92, um, she came around and she and I was offering her a piece of cake. This was re pretty recently. I said, mm. do you want some cake, Gina? Do you want some cake? And she genuinely didn't know what I was on about for a long time. And then I <laughs> approved <laughs> Oh, cake. <laughs> it's funny the word coaster as in what you put a hot drink on yeah and people looked a bit like a bit blank yeah yeah so if i say coaster. any words that you think need a bit of translation for your wider audience that's fine yeah i'll, I'll try and translate my father is from uh, your part of the world from from yorkshire so i'm i'm used to the accent and i'm used to the language and the lingo uh, but it was great, actually, when you worked at the office, just having that accent that strong in our office. So be proud of it, Beth. Be proud yeah. of it. I would be. Well, there was also another one there, isn't there? There's still a Yorkshire person in Mark Jackson at the helm. Well, you know, you were, you were. It's funny, isn't it? Uh, how when you two talk, you sort of bring each other's accents out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a Yorkshire thing. Like, <laughs> that, so when I go back to my mum and dad's, Terry's like, I don't know what you say. <laughs> we also find people like Yorkshire people find pe people that are from Yorkshire so obviously I'm living in Liverpool been here for like 12 years but I will find the Yorkshire people and like they will be my friends <laughs> just sort of gravitate towards each other yeah we do it's a thing I was telling someone this the other day I was like yeah we just find each other yeah no fair play <laughs> Fair play. So you've been in Liverpool 12 years. Uh, you came as a student. Mm -hmm. um, were you a Christian when you came to Liverpool? Nope, nope, I wasn't a Christian. Um, so my story starts with, I guess, a praying mum. So my mum was became Christian when she was 13 um, and she's always prayed for me. Mm. But she, she, she took me to church. Um, she was in part of like a little house church. Um, but... Um, she, so she took me there quite a lot, but when I was little, but I, I don't remember going much in high school, like, and yeah, when I was at uni, I didn't even, it wasn't even a thing. I wasn't like, mm. oh, I'm going to church when I go to uni, I just wasn't a Christian. Yeah. So I came, it's actually quite cool how I came to Liverpool because I put Newcastle down. I was very like 
I think I still am getting over this. Always want the best grade, always want the top. Mm. So I, I really wanted to go to Newcastle University and they wanted really high grades. And I put Liverpool University as my second choice, which everyone told me not to do. My form tutor was like, why would you do that? I want They want the same grades. And I was like, but I don't really want to go to anywhere else. So I'm just going to put where I want to go. I'm not, why would I put something that I don't want to go mm. just because it's lower grades? Um, and yet Newcastle were like, no, because I didn't quite make it. I got an A and two Bs, but my Bs were really good. Yeah. Um, and I think Liverpool, obviously God was in it because in hindsight, like that's, he brought me here for a reason. But, um, but yeah, I, Liverpool, they had a bit of like, oh yeah, she can come. She got two high <laughs> Bs. We'll let her off. We'll let her off that one. Okay. So yeah, ended up here. Like it wasn't my first choice. Mm. Um, but I loved it. I loved the loved the city. I wanted to be somewhere like Leeds, but different. So I wanted yeah. to be on independence. But I do quite like being a northerner, and I like. Mm. I think northern city is quite friendly. So mm. I want. I didn't want it too far from home. So yeah, it ticked all my boxes. So I can see why you chose Liverpool or Newcastle because they're sort of equidistant from Leeds, aren't they? And they're both yeah. northern towns. And they're actually all quite similar to each other in yeah. feel and friendliness, yeah. I think. And Newcastle's a great city. Liverpool's a great city. Leeds is a great city. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I can see why why those choices. But you weren't. So what happened then um, when you came to uni if you weren't a Christian when you arrived? So you've got a praying mum. You've not really gone yeah. to church. Um, mm -hmm. And you've sort of ended up at, at uni here. What happened? So... Not a right lot for the first two years. So I was very studious, wanted the best grades, like I said. I also was a big people pleaser. I wanted mm. to be everybody's friend. Again, still something that I'm getting over. Like, so I kind of did all the things that you should do when you're a student. Um, went to all the lectures, but also I was a bit of a mess because I did all the binge drinking and partying and yeah, just, like it's a it's a weird blur of a time because I think I, I think I was pretty anxious, but I didn't realise. Like I was asking my mum about it the other day, and she was like, mm. "If anyone said that you are right, you just be like, yeah, I'm totally fine. I don't need help. I, I don't need anything. Like I was just like, I'm fine. I've got this." But then in my between second and third year, I decided to go interrailing. So around mm -hmm. Europe, you get a train, you get a special train ticket, you're allowed on all the trains around mm -hmm. Europe. So that was really cool, but like, I did not expect it to change my life in the way that it changed my life. And I knew when I was there, I was like, something weird is happening. Cause I remember seeing a picture on the wall. Ugh, I can't remember what it said now. It's really gonna bug me. But something about, you know, like getting lost and finding yourself and something reflective like that. And I just, I really was kind of going on this, um, I guess I, th I, th I thought a lot when I was there kind of thing, mm. like, and I came back home and I had a glandular fever um, from partying too much. Wow. <laughs> but nobody knew that I had glandular fever. So, like, people kept saying, um, it's fresh as flu. And I was like, I'm not a fresher. I kept going to the doctors. They're like, it's fresh as flu. I was like, I'm not a fresher. This cough is not going away. I do not feel well. Mm. Like, help me. Like, I don't feel well. Please, like... Um, and then I was in a Shakespeare lecture one day and a mature student, so someone that's gone to uni older, um, came up to me and was like, "You, that cough has been, I'm a mature student, I used to be a nurse, that cough has been on my ward, you need to go get it checked out. And I was like, I keep getting it checked out, but they keep saying it's 
like fresh of flu. She was like, not fresh of flu. You need to get checked out. So I think that was the thing that pushed me to get in some more tests. And then eventually I had all these missed calls being like, you're not well. <laughs> we need to see you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I went yellow. I got a bit of jaundice because the type of glandular fever that I had affected my white blood cells, not my red ones. So I had mm. a bit of like my liver was not doing so great again, probably because I was drinking loads as well. Like it's a combination of things, but I was a mess and I felt like I look back and like, I was like, wow, I was, I was really quite broken. Like I wanted the best grades. I wanted to please everybody. I'm mm. I just some sort of, I didn't really care about myself. And then this like going into really made me stop a bit and then going, having glandular fever made me stop a bit because I couldn't actually be at uni. I couldn't be in the lectures that I wanted to be in. And so it was really frustrating time, really difficult time, went back to Leeds. Um, I was really anxious because my goal was to get a really good grade, but then I couldn't get a really good grade because I was just, I was just really ill. Like I had post-viral fatigue. So like, I'd be all right in the house sometimes. Like I'd be like, oh, I'm all right. But if I go out, I'd just like be so, so tired and just, just like, just really wiped out. I had a job as well at the time in in the shop. Um, and that was really difficult in itself because they gave me sick leave, but then they were like, oh, we shouldn't have given you that. So then I had to work for free. So <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. I had to like work back the hours. Like, so I was like really sick and yeah, all this was going on. It was a bit of a mess. But in the middle of that, my mum took me to a church service. So at the time, God had told her to go to a new church. She used to go to a house church. God yep. told us to a new church because um, she also had my littlest brother. So there's a 17-year age gap between me and my littlest brother. Wow. She was going to church with Benjamin, who was a toddler at the time. And I, I don't think I've been at the house in a while. And she just kept taking me to a church. <laughs> <laughs> and I look back, I'm like, she just kept taking me to a house group, to a church, like, and I remember going to a baptism one day and there was this there was this girl there and she stood and she's gonna get baptized and she's like, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, blah, blah, blah. and then she gets baptized. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this? Like, honestly. <laughs> and then this guy got up and he was sound. He was just like, um, went to uni um, with my girlfriend, like, um, made quite a lot of mistakes. Like he was into the partying culture and then he found God. And like, you could tell there was something about his life that was different. Mm. Mm. And I could not get away from that. Like I didn't tell anyone Yeah. because why would I? Like yeah. I was like, had this, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Even though I clearly wasn't. And like, so I didn't tell anyone that I was like, um, thinking about Jesus. I just kind of like kept thinking about Jesus and thinking, maybe he's real how does that change my life i'm not really mm-hmm. sure and then the church mosaic that my mum went to um i found online that they did basically like an alpha course online mm. it was called intro so it was about like six podcasts where it was just them answering questions about jesus um and i was like just secretly listened to it in my university bedroom like just would put it on just like i didn't yeah. want anyone to know yeah. I was just like, secretly listening. And then I remember the day when I was like, 
right? I, I am convinced, convinced, convinced that this is real. And so I like my university bedroom was locked. I think I saw, you know, Les Mis was in cinema at the time. Okay. I remember seeing that. And again, it was just like, God was on me. Like I was like, went to see that and I was just like I'm gonna cry like all this stuff about grace I was like oh my goodness like this is so real so I goes back to my university room I'd like knelt down and I just knew that Jesus was there like I just knew that he was mm. in front of me like I could feel his presence he was just standing up and I knew he was there I knew he was in front of me and I had such a like mad encounter with Jesus like and mm. I had a picture in my head of like this massive gate like I think it was like the gates of heaven just opening mm. and, and like I just chose to go go in and I was just like yes god yes like and I, I remember having another picture of like three girls um and I don't know if that's like because my nana's Christian mum's Christian I'm Christian mm. I don't know um but it was just really really like clear like it was just like it was amazing and like mm. It was so real to me as well, like in the middle of it all, I was just like, this is so real. Like, but I was still a mess. I was still anxious. I still mm. was stressing about how I'm going to pass my like university degree. Didn't know how it changed my life. Didn't understand that bit. Right. Just was like, this is mad and it's happening and I'm just going to go with it. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's quite a... <laughs> It's quite a fascinating story. There's a lot in there, Beth. I'm really curious when you were listening to the podcast from the church, um, mm. you, you said you were in your room and you were listening to it, but you didn't want anybody to know. No. Why, why was that? I don't know. I think maybe, I don't know. I think maybe I was worried about what they would think of me because that was a thing for me anyway. I was mm. like such a people, so wrapped up in people pleasing, and this was like me doing what I wanted. You know, this was me choosing my own path, mm. and like I'd never really done that up until that point. I had in a little bit of ways, you know, like I really like English literature and language, and that's what I wanted to study. So, and I mm. loved my degree, but um, but I think it was just like the first time where actually I could face loads of rejection, but I wanted it, and I wanted to choose my own path in that way but it was mad like I remember I didn't tell my mum and I went to my mum's church around it was like all January 2013 but I never remember which bit happened when because mm. um, I was still ill and I was still like struggling with stuff so about January 2013 somewhere in this like I think I had given my life to Jesus and I went to Mosaic the, my mum's church and she I didn't want to, anyone to know <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know why I'm like but again God was so on to me like he mm. sat me in front of a person that had glandular fever like get that like <laughs> had glandular fever <laughs> like and like she had a picture for me of like an iron ironing out a tie and ironing mm. out all the creases in my life and I was like ah and then the service I don't even know what it was but I just remember I wanted to cry the whole time and then my mum was bawling and she <laughs> I told her and she just felt like she was like I felt like I had the like those tears for you like I had your tears I felt like God said I had your tears because I was just like I'm not going to cry in front of people why would I do that wow. like, I was just very like I don't want anyone to know wow yeah your mum sounds like an absolute legend uh, yeah, in all of this and um you know uh, go, go Beth's mum wait wait uh that's awesome so uh you go to mosaic 
Uh, which is the word you're saying, mosaic, mosaic. Oh yeah, mosaic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mosaic, <laughs> mosaic yeah. the church, and this is a church in Leeds, which is obviously your mum's church, and you mm. uh, you have more encounters with God, and so. Yeah. But at this point, you're still struggling with glandular fever. So, did that carry on for a while? What happened sort of next? So the person that I told you about, who sat in front of me, she was called Laura, and um, she had glandular fever. And we just made a friendship and she helped me um, mm. through. She was like, she just really helped me understand like, okay, this is what, if I were you, this is what I do about university. This is what I do about this situation. This is what I do about this situation in relation to glandular fever. Mm. She really helped me like make a plan to get through. Then when I back, went back to Liverpool, I kind of had that little plan and I was like, I'm going to find a church. Now I had done some Facebook stalking. <laughs> so I knew a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I also done some Googling because Mosaic at the time, so actually it was just the first time I went to Mosaic, it was a big warehouse, big warehouse church. Yeah. And this, uh, in 2013, I think that's when they split into three churches and the one that my mum goes to, still goes to now, is in a school. Um, okay. But I really liked the kind of big warehouse vibe. So I did mm. a bit of Googling about I wanted to go to a church like Mosaic, but in Liverpool. It's like my uni story all over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like Leeds, but in Liverpool. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I found Frontline, Frontline Church in Rovetree, and um, because one of my high school friends went there, and it was amazing. Like I remember going there on the morning. I remember the preach. Like so, I don't remember all the preachers I went to at the mm. at Mosaic, but I remember going to Frontline. I remember Julie Connolly preaching about mm. spiritual warfare and it was just like incredible. And I went to the 10.30 service, which was a morning service, very family. And this old man grabbed my shoulder and he was like, come back at six. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you go to jail for things like that. Yeah, now. Like, yeah, yeah. My housemates did nothing. Like mm. I just secretly did all this. Nobody knew anything. Mm. Like, so gets in the taxi again, goes back at six, walks in, and my friend from high school was there. She grabs me on her shoulder. She's like, what are you doing here? And then that was, you know, like I just cried and cried through the whole service. Exactly the same talk. Julie did again, and I just cried. I just knew mm. that I was home. Like, I, like I'd found, like, I was like, I don't know. It was just incredible. I was just like, I'm home. Like, this is, this is it. Like, and then after that, I started telling people, so how did it go with your housemates and the people that you were trying to hide all of this from when you told them? Yeah, mixed mix bag, really. Mixed bag. Some people were like, what's happened in your life? I want to know. Um, some people were like, this is weird. Don't want to know. Um, yeah, so it was a really weird time. And I think that time in your life is weird anyway. Mm. You know, the last year of uni, who are you going to keep in touch with? Yeah. Like, where are you going to live? Because that affects things, doesn't it? Like mm. dif different people then move to do masters, to do to go back home to their hometown, to do gap years. Like mm. so, it's really like weird time anyway. And I think that then throwing something like this big life change into it was just a bit like some people didn't want to know. Um, some people very kindly didn't want to know. You know, like kind of like well, that's a bit weird, but. Yeah, like, you do you. Leave me out of it. It wasn't like, I'm going to reject you. It was just like, you do yeah. you. I'm going this way. You're going that way. Mm. Bye. We still love each other. Mm. <laughs> like, but yeah, there was a lot. There was 
a fair amount of like rejection in there though like it wasn't easy mm. but you you start to then get um connected to frontline church which is the church where the crowd church is connected to actually that came out crowd church came yeah. out of frontline church and that's where we met wasn't it uh going yeah. back a long old time ago so fast forward um however many years it is what now uh nine years um has life been all sort of sunshine and rainbows for you you know you, you did you get better of glandular fever you sort of overcome your people approval thing and and, and <laughs> welcome welcome world beth has arrived no and that is one of my you just summarize what my biggest struggle is basically because in my head <laughs> that is what is supposed to happen like and so i was a bit like hey like what like life is quite difficult still and so i think the week after so i went to frontline and i think the week after or maybe a couple of weeks after i met um my husband wasn't then my husband obviously because <laughs> <laughs> that'd just be really weird if he was yeah <laughs> i met terry and i also met you and sharon on the same day mm. and a bunch of other cool people as well um it was at your house i think i met him oh it might it was a, yeah i think it was yeah it was the Around student the lunch thing wasn't it the or the student, student lunch thing. Thing. yeah mm. yeah um so yeah so it was in one sense, it was like sunshine and rainbows because like my whole life had changed and me and Terry like met and we quickly got married the year after, but the anxiety didn't go. Like there was a long road to healing with the glandular fever. I didn't get instantly healed. Um, and then and I've had other underlying illnesses since, which mm. like, yeah, that's been a big challenge kind of understanding like why would a good God let someone suffer mm. that's been a big question um why don't my prayers get answered when i'm praying to be healed that's been a big mm. question um i had joy my first um my first born in may 2019 and i pray again like i expect things to be like sunshine and rainbows like i prayed for this amazing birth like i got this book that like was all about praying for this amazing birth and it kind of messed me up a bit because mm. really like Jesus promises suffering. Like he says, um, what does he say? <laughs> oh, in this world, trouble and persecution. <laughs> in this world, you will suffer, but take mm. out I have overcome the world. You will have trouble, but take out I have overcome mm. the world. Um, and yeah, like I think it's been just quite a journey of like, I prayed like with the birth, I prayed for this amazing birth. It didn't happen. It was actually really traumatic. And I really struggled to get my head around that. Mm. And I felt like I'd failed. I felt like my faith had failed. I felt like I didn't have enough faith because the book that I read kind of implied that it was my faith that didn't make it happen. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was just kind of like, oh, it's my fault. I don't have enough faith. And yeah, just that, that whole struggle of like, what do you do when there's suffering? Um, what do you do when things don't go, when things are sunshine and rainbows, when things don't mm. go plan? So, yeah. That's a really, it's a really interesting statement because I, I've not seen it as much in recent times, but certainly there was a period where 
there was this sort of movement which said, if you have faith, you can move mountains, which is, you know, very, I, I get the scriptural reference for that. But it, it became this thing where actually, if you wanted anything from God, it was all down to your faith. And if you didn't have faith, you wouldn't get it. And if you weren't getting it, therefore, it was because you had weak faith. And whilst that was never said, uh, it was it was it was implied. It was implicit yeah. in the statement that if you have faith, you can move mountains and you reverse engineer that. You say, well, if the mountains are not moving, then I've not got faith. Yeah. Uh, and it was a really interesting time, I think, for people, because I think there are times where actually people's unbelief does prevent the movement of God. But I, mm. I think that they're, they're a lot rarer than we think they are in, in a lot yeah. of ways. Do you know what I mean? And so I'm curious, um, having you've obviously haven't uh, gone through that. What's what are some of the lessons that you've learned as a result of that? Oh, I don't even know where to start. So if you read my blog, like <laughs> I've logged through the whole thing <laughs> and there's a lot of different lessons on there because like, yeah, my head was a mess. I was just like, oh, I need to sort this out because I didn't understand it. Like I, I was just like, I prayed for this thing to happen. Um, but do you know what it is? The biggest lesson I've learned actually, it's come to me. So I am a feeling person. And, you know, like, I've explained what happened in my testimony. Like, God speaks to me, like, very clearly through pictures and mm. very clearly through, like, I can hear him, I can feel him, like, his presence. Mm. Like, that's important to me and that's a gift. But, like, for me, I felt like I'd failed when I mm. had a traumatic birth. I felt like my faith had failed, that it wasn't good enough, that, like, mm. and it was a feeling of, like, feeling that I'd failed, feeling like it wasn't good enough. Feel, and like, I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is like, know your Bible because some, th some lies will feel so, so true. Like some lies will be so crafty. Like the enemy is quite crafty mm -hmm. and he, he kind of bases it on truth, but then he obviously it's not true. And I feel like I've been so susceptible. Is that even a word? Yeah, it's a good word. Yeah, you should know. You've got the English language degree. You crack on. <laughs> susceptible to that. Yeah. Because I feel like it was just, you know, like this little, you don't, you didn't have enough faith for that. Like mm. so-and-so has enough faith for that. You don't have enough faith for that. Like, and it was just, it felt true. It felt real. But like now, and it, sometimes it still feels real and I have to tell myself that's not true Beth that like that's not true like I know that faith like as small as a mustard seed can move mountains also the parable that kept coming to my head throughout this whole time was the one where um the so some pals have got a friend who needs healing and they cut the roof open mm. to get him in front of Jesus and they put him in um, this is, you know, the Bible by Beth here. <laughs> Bible with Yorkshire accent. That's like, great. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. You keep going. In the Bible because <laughs> I wonder, say. actually, just to, as a total aside here, I do wonder if there is a Yorkshire version of the Bible. I've seen the Scouse Bible. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google it later. Is there a Yorkshire version of the Bible? I read an excellent book. on my my dad's bookshelf the other week. There was an excellent book about Yorkshire people who had faith. And like honestly, the first page was brilliant. It was like, Yorkshire people have grit. And here, yeah, like, I was true. like, I love this book. That's true. <laughs> Here's a bunch of Christian people with grit. Like, yeah. 
Very true. Um, but yeah, anyway, so in the in the back in the back going back to the Bible. So there's a couple of guys, they've got the pal, he needs healing. It's a paralyzed man, they put him down through the roof, Jesus is there, and Jesus heals him and he forgives his sin as well. Um, I think the other way around. Mm. But he looks at the friends and he said, It's your friend's faith like that's healed you. Mm. Oh, this I really could do with this in front of me. I feel like I'm absolutely ruining this. Sorry. <laughs> like, but he talks about the friend's faith. Mm. And I kept coming back to that because I was like, my friends were praying for me that whole time. Mm. You know, like, even if I don't have enough faith, I, they, I've got like so many friends praying for me that have got more faith than I do. You know, mm. they've got seas worth, but it didn't happen. And it's because I think, you know, like we live in a fallen world, like, one day there will be no sickness like and one day jesus will wipe away every tear um but like here it's not like that mm. and like i think going through what i've been through has definitely it's made me cling to god in a way that i think just yesterday like i did a preach at church and i can't i was walking up like i then i then went to do some work and at a coffee shop and i was walking home and I was just thinking about the preacher. I was thinking, that was mad. Like God used my most painful moments mm. to reach someone else there. You know, like, you know, he just like, he makes everything work together for good. And it's yeah. such a privilege to watch him do that in your life. Like, and yeah. you don't think that that's ever going to be the case when you're in those painful moments, when you're like mm. dealing with trauma and you're like, but I didn't pray for this God. Mm. But then, if you let him in, like if you let him, he will just turn the whole thing around. And like, mm. it is amazing to watch, you know, like, mm. like yesterday, like I didn't even feel like I was really speaking. Like I was dead nervous about preaching. Yeah. And I just shared these stories from, from really like the moments where I was like, God, where are you? What have you done? Like, have you left me? Like it says you'll heal. Like I've, mm. surely I've got faith small as mustard mm. seed. Surely my friends have got faith small as mustard seed. And like, I was able to share those stories with people and watch those people know more about a God who loves them. And it was just incredible. Like, yeah. And someone gave me that first before I went in to be induced with my, with joy, my first one. So I went in for an induction and, um, I was really scared and someone gave me the first, all things work together for mm. good, for, um, those who love God. Mm. And I didn't get it then. And like, but that has just been my testimony, you know, like mm. he's taken like the darkest moments, the worst moments, the most painful moments. And like, I just keep watching him, like, as he turns it around, like mm. it's amazing. But that's awesome. I, it's, I mean, it's not awesome in, in one sense that you've had to go through what you've gone through, but it, I think the, the thing that I've always loved about you um, is your absolute commitment to be totally transparent, true and authentic, right? You always know exactly where you're at because when you say how you're doing, you'll say, well, I'm blah, 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 right? <laughs> and I think um, it's it's interesting because part of me, part of the problem I think people have had over the years is you go to church and church people feel like they have to say, oh, life is good. At least it was for a season, do you know what I mean? Because it's like, well, faith talks positive, doesn't it? And yeah. so they, you'd ask some questions, life is good. And so if you were struggling, you could look at somebody and go, well, their life is good. My life is pants. Why, why am I struggling? Of course, they're asking the same question over there. 
and it's all masks. There's there's a lot of masks going on. There's there's not a lot of authenticity sometimes. That I'm being totally disparaging about the church, but it is. We have had these seasons where we have been uh, too unwilling to actually be truthful uh, about mm. how we feel and the questions that we have for God because we feel like we can't have them. Um, yeah. And so it's great that you did, uh, and it's great that you've sort of wrestled with that over the years. Um, so where are, where are things at now, right? So you going back to the sort of the supernatural childbirth thing that you were praying for and it didn't happen and that sort of, you know, you felt like you failed God and you felt like your faith failed. When did that turn around in your thinking and how did it turn around in your thinking? Um, well, I owe a lot to your wife, <laughs> your wonderful wife, Sharon. Um, I remember... So I, I wrestled with God a lot by myself and was like, what have you done? But also I had a newborn baby. And I have to say that um, the trauma was traumatic, but then having joy meant that I was able to focus on joy. So I had this yeah. moment in the bathroom after it happened where I genuinely just thought, oh my goodness, you idiot, you failed. Like you nearly killed your baby because you, you didn't like let them intervene sooner. And you wanted this supernatural childbirth that like, and I just felt all this condemnation. Like yeah. I remember standing in the bathroom, all this condemnation. You didn't have enough faith that you nearly let this happen. What, like, But then I had to cry about it. And then I just cracked on being a mum because I absolutely love my daughter. Mm. And she just brought so much joy to me. She really, like, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Like, um, but then lockdown happened in 2020. So she, she was probably about 10 months, I think. Yeah. Right? 20, 10 months. And then that's when I really wrestled it out. And I was like, what is going on? And then I got pregnant in 2020. Yeah, I got pregnant in 2020 with my second. And I started getting anxiety attacks. And I was like, what is going on? And I was like, I think I need to deal with this. Like, I need to deal with this trauma. <laughs> like, there were some clues I, along I the way. Yeah. No, one thing that I did all the time, so I know a lot about trauma now, but one thing I did all the time was I would talk about birth. Like, I would just talk about birth that whole year mm. and ask people how the births were. I was a bit obsessed with it. And I look back, and that is actually called, is it ruminating? So when you when you talk about it and you can't get past it, that's actually, mm. like, um, a symptom of PTSD, of trauma. Mm. So, and then I started getting panic attacks because I was pregnant. And it got to 2021, I was like, I'm going to give birth to this child in April, and how am I going to do that? And I remember going to meet a friend who had two kids, and she had two amazing births. And I just had this like little panic, panic attack. And I was like, I need to get over this. I need to do something. Mm. So then I rang up um, and started getting Sharon at the time. And that was very, very helpful, like um, incredible. And then um, a couple of people had mentioned to me um, that there was this person called Hannah Sloan who went to Frontline and um, I should really get in touch with her because she does birth trauma therapy and she's Christian. So I rang her up and I was like, Hannah, this is what's happened to me. Told her about all the 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 feeling like I didn't have enough faith for this perfect birth. Feeling like, you know, like it was my fault. And she was like, right, okay, like come see me. So I did sessions with her mm. and it was incredible. Like it was really good. Like just understanding how trauma works. I think sometimes as Christians, like we, don't go down, we stay too much down the non-medical route, you know, like yeah. where it, Hannah was actually like, 
what's happened to you is a thing. It's called PTSD. Like, mm. and these are the symptoms. And I was like, oh, wow, I have those symptoms. She's just like, yeah, like, I think you've got it. You know, like, and like, I think as Christians, sometimes we think we're immune to these things. Mm. Like, it's just a spiritual thing that we're going yeah. through or whatever. But actually, like, I had PTSD. And, um, yeah, like, within those four sessions, the main symptoms were no more. Um, and it was just the thing that was left with was just, like, me and God and working that bit out, you know, like, so where do we go from here, God? Like, mm. because I couldn't, I wasn't really praying around a lot. when jo From when Joy was born, I remember actually talking to the, my pastor and being like, I'm not praying around a lot, like, I can't. And I didn't really, again, I didn't really put it all down to the trauma. But, um, but yeah, it kind of worked itself out. Again, I got some, got some therapy. Um, spoke a lot to Sharon, like, weekly, I think. And um, just had, yeah, some support and, yeah, just kind of watched through that and was mm. was just asking God questions all the time. Um, and, yeah, like, yeah. I think I've come out of it, like, the other end, I, I feel. So what happened, was all this... Oh, Judah. Judah yeah, I was going to say, because you, you, you obviously had a second child. So how did that birth go? So... I got to a place where I think this is what I, this is what happened. I got to a place where in the last session, Hannah was like, "What do you want to do?" So we planned for each eventuality of giving birth, like, and I got a debrief as well with my midwife, mm. um, and she was literally like, "Bethy, did amazing. You like went to nine centimeters with no, with like no, I don't know, medication or whatever, mm. just gas and air." Um, and the baby was stuck. Your baby was back to back, and apparently, back to back babies are more painful. But she didn't move. Yeah. She literally didn't move. And on my notes, that there's a picture of a head. As soon as like she, the midwife had drawn a head as soon as I'd gone in, because they suspected that she was in a funny position. Mm. And that was like as soon as I went in, she never moved. Mm. Like, <laughs> so you know, you just like look back and you just like she wasn't going to move. She wasn't ever, you know, like she was stuck. Like, of course, I was going to end up in a C-section. Like, um, mm. but and so that gave me clarity. And then speaking to Hannah really helped me. We had like this is what happened. So we had loads of different options, and I decided to try for a V-back, so a natural birth after um, cesarean. I hate the word natural, but like yeah that's what we're going with so i was like i'm gonna mm. try for that and I, it was just really i got to a place where even if i had another c-section like i knew that that was okay i knew that god still loved me mm. and he was all right and the birth with judah was incredible it was really redemptive actually because um i went into labor naturally i didn't have to get induced at 39 weeks 39 plus three or something and um and it was funny because no one else expected me to. And like, <laughs> so I was like, I think I had a bit of faith then, like for this. And I was like, God, you know, I really like that. But, you know, what, like I've got to a place where anything could happen and I still love you and I know you're still mm. going to be with me regardless. Yeah. Um, and I was told that I was having a girl as well. So I, I was expecting a, another girl. And um, so then the labour happens naturally this time. And then um, everyone like left me. <laughs> Like Kat was wow. supposed to be looking after Joy. She was somewhere. And then Kat's like my best friend. And 
And then Terry was like, I need to go to work if this is going to happen. It's Prince Philip's funeral. And oh, I was just, wow. painting, just watching Prince Philip's funeral. And then I was like, right, okay. So waited for them to get back. And then I was like, should we go to hospital now? So then went to hospital. I was dehydrated because no one had been feeding me or giving me any drink. Like I was just defending <laughs> for myself. And then when I drank just basically it was just really surreal it was really calm really quiet on the ward there was one midwife who didn't say a right lot to me and then all of a sudden she goes about nine o'clock she was like I think you'll have this baby nine o'clock on Sunday morning she was like I think you'll have this baby within the hour and I could not believe it like I remember sitting down and saying to God God I don't know what's going to happen I don't know if I'm progressing I don't know what's happening I'm really anxious I'm really stressed right now please help me Mm. And he was just like, it's going to be okay. Like, you're going to have this baby. It's going to be okay. Like, and it was just amazing. It was just, I think, you know, like people want you to think that, like, um, you can have this terrible birth and then you can have this amazing butterfly birth after it if you mm. go through ABCD experience. But I did the therapy, I did the praying, like, and it wasn't butterflies, but God was so real and He was so mm. there. Like, and Judah popped out and everyone thought, I remember the midwife being like, oh, I've got something to show you. Because <laughs> he was a boy and they told me he was a girl. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> I didn't care. I literally didn't care. I was given the name Judah in the first trimester. Yeah. I felt God put that name on my heart because I was watching a preach by Judah Smith. And he was saying about how Leah in the Bible um, was in this battle with her sister, like comparison war. And then by baby number four, she gives up and she says, now I'm going to praise God. And mm. I think I was in that place. I was like, do you know what? I'm not battling anymore. I don't care if yeah, I've got yeah. faith or no faith or whatever. Or if that person over there is having a hypnobirth or if that person over there is having a supernatural childbirth, like mm. I will praise God. Yeah. And like there's a song called Yes, I Will by Vertical Worship, I think. And that song was just like the song of Judah. Like it was just, yes, I will lift you mm. high in the lowest valley. Like, yes, I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to praise you no matter what happens. Um, and it was a different kind of faith because, I don't know, it's just, it's more grit. Like, like the Yorkshire book. <laughs> more grit, Yorkshire. <laughs> Jesus was a Yorkshireman is, is what they tell me. He was, wasn't he? <laughs> no, he wasn't. So, um, well, I, this, I love that, that it was redemptive. And then yeah, actually in, in the second child, it's one of those things, isn't it? As a Christian, you pray for God's uh, blessing and you pray for what you think is the best. Um, mm. And when that doesn't happen, how you respond is quite interesting. Um, and I love the difference between the first one and the second one. So the first one, you pray for something and you feel all kinds of failure as a result. The second time, it's like, well, I'm going to pray for this but I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to praise you anyway yeah. uh, because, God, I'm in your hands. And mm. actually, that's quite an extraordinary journey to take. It takes people years sometimes to, do you know what I mean, to sort of yeah. figure that whole thing out uh, as a yeah. Christian. So what's your, um, out of all of this then, Beth, you know, um, what's your, what's been your take? What's your one message? I mean, you spoke at church yesterday um, I, I don't know if they gave you a topic or whether you sat down and thought, oh, this will be the, you know, what I would talk about. What's the, the thing, the overriding thing that God has taught you? Oh, gosh, I think, yeah, like 
some of the stuff that I've been talking about really just like I think it do you know what it is like my blog is a lot about hearing God and like you know stay close to him hear him like listen to what he's got to say to you like he is the best friend you could ever 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 wish for you know like Mm -hmm. he's always been there he's always got something to say to me about everything and like the points that I've struggled is the points where I've like pushed him out a bit and like kept him at arm's length like but actually you know like he he understood like he he understood that I was upset about the birth trauma he knew what I was Mm. going through what I needed like um and I think hearing God for yourself and um yeah knowing your bible and like not going with those feelings and not going with what other people tell you but just having your own faith and walking that journey with God is Mm. like so so like so so important I, I love to I love to hear people like get God for themselves you know like yeah. oh hearing for themselves like mm. um yeah I think it's yeah really like crucial that's awesome yeah. so is that if you could somehow magically uh go back in time and have a conversation with yourself as you're heading into hospital with um to give birth to joy is that the yeah. advice that you would give to yourself at that point yeah I'd, I'd just be like Beth like be careful what you believe mm. like stick to, close to God stay close to God like and don't don't read a book about God and think it's God <laughs> like you you know like mm-hmm. there's loads of books out there that say they're about God and maybe they're they're about one person's version of God like who's mm-hmm. your God who is your God Mm. stay close to him because the god of the bible like the god that you that i met when i was in that room in university like he's the one that's been faithful to me and i think it's so important to have your own faith Mm. and to not get stuck in a bit of a comparison and not Mm. just absorb everything you read i think i'm a bit easily influenced sometimes <laughs> it's, it, well, it's, and it's not just you to be. I think here's the thing about books, right? And the thing that I've noticed about books when you read them is, especially Christian books or testimonial books, as we like to call it, but, but story books, they're always inspiring because they yeah. there's there's amazing stories, amazing journeys that people go on, and you and they talk about how well, God did this and this breakthrough happened and that happened, and it's all fantastic and wonderful. Um, but between those two mountain points. You know, this happened, it was amazing. This happened, it was amazing. There's often big valleys and times of just utter boredom. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And it's just the everyday grind of life. But but you don't write about those in books because there's not enough space. You don't know what to say. You just want to tell the stories to encourage people. And it's like, well, yes, this is my story, you know, and I I want to encourage you. Um, It's why we do these podcasts. But it's the rest of it you know, that we don't get to hear about. And when we just compare our lives where 80% of it is boring, 80% of it is routine, you know, Mm. to all these amazing stories that people have over here, we can come across or come up, you know, some come off feeling quite bad. And that's the danger of books. Mm. Uh, And and I think as long as when we read a book, we understand that we're okay. And we say, what is God saying to me throughout this Mm. whole thing is is probably the the biggest question to ask, right? Yeah, that is the biggest question. And that's the question I ask before I blog all the time. I'm like, God, what are you saying to me this week? And I think if if I could inspire people to say that question for themselves, like that is what I want, that's who I want to be. That's what I want, the message I want to say. Like, because I think that 
yeah if if you know him as your friend like like that is one of the biggest things that changed my life you know mm. just knowing him as a friend like and if when you are reading a book you know like ask him what he thinks about it don't just mm. read it and be like even if it's a really good book and like you know like the person is sound and they've got really good theology like still mm. ask him what he thinks about it because that makes stuff go from just reading it to actually being like oh i'm gonna like yeah understand it for myself i'm gonna mm. like like let it go in for myself mm. yeah what does this mean for me god what are you saying yeah, yeah. to me yeah. it's a really it's a really interesting thing I, I i wish i had time to get into it a little bit more but there's so much more to say on this um Beth, question for you. Oh, someone's at the door. Uh, imagine you are at the Oscars, right? Yeah. Um, and you've just won your award, your Lifetime Achievement Award, whatever it is, and you get a moment to thank those folks that have had a big impact on your life, whether family members, mentors, authors, preachers, books, whatever it is. I'm curious, who are you thanking? Who are you, who are you stood up and saying, I want to thank dot, 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 and why? Well, I think I've mentioned a few of them, haven't I? Like, so obviously praying mums out there, like my story started with a praying mum, so don't mm. give up. Like my mum is amazing. My dad became Christian when soon after I did. Um, he's he's always been amazing. Um, but you know, like you and Sharon, like you and Sharon, absolutely. I, like I was thinking about this re recently, like you literally, like I don't know anyone. I remember being in your house, Matt, and like you just let me be like and I didn't really know who I was I was messed mm. I was messed up I was broken I was lost and like you didn't need anything from me you didn't want anything from me like you you guys just love me and like I've never experienced anything like it in my life and you have been there since I feel like I could cry since day one <laughs> and like you've never given up on me or Terry mm. like you've never you have never you've always loved us you've always like shown us such grace and like sometimes you show me grace and I'm like it's literally mind-blowing <laughs> like I'm like Terry look what's just happened like oh look what Matt's just said like oh look what listen to what Sharon did today I like you know like mm. and I think yeah you'd get a massive thank you both of you because yeah, you have you. changed our lives and I'm not just saying that because because you do this podcast like <laughs> <laughs> yeah because <laughs> you're the podcast host yeah no I appreciate it oh, ah yeah. Beth bless you no it's wonderful it's very kind of you to sing yeah it's true but yeah and then there's loads of other people on the way isn't it like community community is very important and I'm mm. very very fortunate to be part of a really good community yeah and your husband obviously yeah he's an, oh, and yeah. your kids you're the oh, usual gosh, that's so bad don't <laughs> 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 you can redo this <laughs> no <laughs> He's never going to let you live it down. No, he's not. He actually won't let me live it down. He'll, he's just going to be like, um, I can't believe you didn't thank me on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, now's your time to say, you know, you, that you actually... You thank you so much, Terry, for being with me through thick and thin. Yeah, I think me and Terry have been on like quite a journey where we've been through stuff together. Mm. So, um, yeah, like... Yeah, it's a different kind of thank you, isn't it? Like, obviously, it's still a thank oh, it you, is. but like... Yeah, it's your, it's your life partner, isn't it? And I think you and yeah, Terry yeah. are just wonderful people. Uh, and um, it's it's great to have you on the podcast. So thank you for joining us, Beth. Thank you for sharing your story. If people want to reach out, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, well, you can read all of 
what I've just said on my blog, bethcoppernall.com. You can read some moments of being like, why God? And also some moments of being like, wow, God did this amazing thing. <laughs> and I think yeah. you can contact me on there as well. Yeah, no, bethcoppernall.com. Uh, do check it out. Uh, very inspiring blog. And it's, you, you kind of, you do get sucked into the emotion uh, of it all. And Beth is a very good writer. So, uh, yes, Beth, thank you so much for joining us. You've been an absolute legend. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what people say uh, as a result of this coming out and, um, and who listens to it. So uh, we will, of course, uh, link to Beth's info in the show notes, which you can get for free along with the transcript uh, at crowd.church, www.crowd.church. Uh, or if you're signed up to the newsletter, it will come direct to your inbox. If you're not signed up to the newsletter, sign up to the newsletter hashtag the same uh, so there you have it another fantastic conversation another huge brilliant wonderful story uh, Beth again thank you for joining me now remember to check out crowd online church at www.crowd.church you know the domain now uh, even if you might not see the point of church crowd is a digital church an online church on a quest to discover how jesus helps us live a more meaningful life uh, we are a community a space to explore the christian faith and a place where you can contribute and grow and you are welcome at crowd church be sure to subscribe to what's the story wherever you get your podcasts from because we've got some great stories lined up and i do not want you to miss any of them and in case no one has told you yet today dear listener viewer you are awesome yes you are it's just a burden you have to bear uh, beth has to bear it i have to bear it we're just awesome it's the way god made us fearfully and wonderfully made now what's the story is produced by crowd online church you can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app the team that makes this show possible is sadaf bainon josh catchpole estella robin and tim johnson our theme song was written by the amazingly talented josh edmondson and if you would like to read the transcript or show notes as i said head over to www.crowd.church where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter and get all of this good stuff direct your inbox totally for free that's it from me that's it from beth thank you so much for joining us have a fantastic week bye for now <laughs>